This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, so for my section of portion of this teaching around the birth of Jesus the Christ, my subtitle is The Redeemer of Mankind. So as an opening statement, again, we're teaching this on purpose, on assignment, around the Christmas. And, and understand that Christmas is a Christian holiday. It really is a Christian holiday, supposedly, right? To honor, to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But it has now become a season of overshadowed by materialism, by views, and other customs. Right? But we should understand what Christmas is all about. Right? And understand, Christmas didn't come before Christ. Right? People at Christmas Day was here before Jesus. You know, we're going to celebrate Jesus Christ because he was born on Christmas Day. No. He, Christmas, you know, Christ was here before, before Christmas Day she even showed up. That's the reason why we have a Christmas Day is because of Christ. Right? So we want to make sure we understand these things and understand why we are celebrating. Again, you heard these all the messages. We should always be celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our actions and in our walk. But again, it's the holidays. We're getting ready for that. So we're preparing ourselves, preparing our hearts for this time. So in saying that, there's nothing wrong with you having your, your gifts and giving people gifts. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with putting up your trees, right? Putting up your lights, you know, decorating your home and, and, and the Christmas. We call it the Christmas spirit, whatever that means. But that, nothing wrong with those things. Put on your holiday music, right? But make sure you give honor to God for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make sure. Make sure that is in the forefront of your mind, the forefront of your heart, the forefront of your celebration. It's around Him, right? And, and that's really the, the goal and objective of the things we're teaching about, right? We're going to make sure we have the right, proper attitude and, and perspective around the holiday season. Right. So, you know what it means to say Merry Christmas. You know, we should say Merry Christmas all the time. Why are we waiting to, to Christmas time to say Merry Christmas? See, that's what I'm saying. We, our, our attitudes about these things are just wrong. So my objective for my part of the teaching is we're going to look at Matthew chapter one and we're going to look at Luke chapter one in reference to the birth of Jesus the Christ, looking at Joseph and Mary and the Messianic prophecies being fulfilled. All right? And again, you heard Minister Hill go here already this morning looking at Luke chapter 1. I'm going to go on to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to start with the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, which Brother Everhart went to. So turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. <clears throat> when you get there, say amen. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And we're going to read verse 6, but just, I call it the A part, we're just going to <clears throat> read one little section here in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, those statements right there, I'm going to stop right there, really talks about the birth of Jesus Christ. Right? It speaks even to how we receive salvation. You know, it's really interesting to me because you look at these, he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
And you know, the son being given, he was given without any work or effort by man. Just how you received Christ as your Lord, it wasn't by any effort on your part. It was a free gift. All you had to do was believe. So even his birth of Jesus Christ speaks to God's grace and his mercy around salvation. Because he gave a son. The son was given. And so now we're going to look at from that passage, we're just going to jump off and say, okay, now who gave the son? Because he said the son was given. So that means the son was given, that means somebody had to give him away. Who gave the son? So now turn to me with me to Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to tell you already now, we're going to go to a few scriptures. Hope you brought your Bibles. We're going to let the scriptures tell the story. And hopefully the revelation of God you will get by his spirit. Matthew chapter 3 again. Who gave the son? Matthew chapter 3. And like I said, a lot of these scriptures we're going to read. They've been read already. But again, we're going to read them again. Matthew 3 verses. Let's start at verse 16. It says, In Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now now you see a voice came from heaven saying that this is my beloved Son. And he said, In him, I'm well pleased. So again, we're talking about who gave the Son. Now somebody already, again, there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Who is that voice? Now let's turn to John chapter 3. I'm sorry, before we, before we go, let's go to uh, Psalms 2. My bad. Psalms chapter 2. The book of Psalms. Again, someone who gave the son. The, the book of Psalms chapter 2. <clears throat> the book of Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. It says, I will declare the decree. The Lord, Jehovah, have said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. So again, we're trying to trace down who gave the son. And it says, Now the Lord, Jehovah, said, This day I have begotten begotten thee, because thou art my son. And you heard the voice that came from heaven and called him my beloved son. I mean, it's amazing how possessions, old ownership, you know, you have children, you say, those are my children. That ain't just a child, no, that's my child. You know, so it's interesting to see, it's very, you know, to us, a son is given. It was on purpose the son was being given by the person that was given the son to us. And who is that person? Again, we go to, now let's go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 16, which again, I think everybody knows, but we're going to read it. John 3 and 16. Again, who gave the son? For God so loved the world that he, who is the he? God. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, who is him, his son, might be saved. 
So that means now, we see now God is the one that gave the son. Again, a child was, was born, but the son was given. And that son was given by God. He gave his only begotten son. And you know, it's interesting the word about begotten. Begotten denotes to be fathered. Only a father can begotten the son. Begotten focuses on the father. A woman don't beget. A father begets. A male begets. So the father beget or begotten the only son. His beloved son. So now we see the son was given by God the father. Now, you're still in John. Let's turn to John chapter 1. I told you I'll go some scriptures. We're going to use that Bible tonight. John chapter 1. Again, saying who gave the son. God gave the son. His only begotten, his beloved son. John chapter 1. Look at this starting at verse 15. John 1 and 15. It says, John bear witness of him. And cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is before, preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So now we see here that the Son, the only begotten Son, is from the bosom of the Father. God the Father. So God the Father gave God the Son. I mean, it's amazing to hear, hear these things, right? God the Father gave God the Son. For who? For us. So the Son was given by God the Father. The Son came forth from the bosom of God the Father. Why? Why did God give the Son? So we saw it in John 3 and 16. To redeem mankind. God gave His Son to redeem man. And the Son that God has given us came in the form of a man whose name is Jesus. Now look at this in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5. Start at verse 5. Philippians 2 and 5. He said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in a form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, from that passage of Scripture already, you should see that Jesus is God. He said he was in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made of himself, no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. So here we have the God, the Son, the only begotten of the, of, the, of, the, of the Father, being found in the fashion of a man. And that man's name is Jesus. 
So the birth of Jesus Christ has, I'm sorry, let me say this right. So the birth of Jesus has to do with the incarnation of Christ. I'll say that again. The birth of Jesus has to do with the incarnation of Christ. What does that mean? Christ always existed. Again, these things you heard this morning. Right? Christ always existed. But Jesus was born here on this earth. So what do I mean by incarnation? Incarnation speaks to God the Son putting on flesh to become a man for the purpose of redeeming mankind. That is the incarnation. You know, in, in these statements, I mean, I, you know, you hear yourself saying it, but it's so powerful to understand God the Son put on what flesh? To become a man? For what purpose? To redeem mankind? So Christ put on flesh to become a man, and that man was Jesus. Why? To save mankind. That's why we should always be celebrating Christmas. Because <laughs> that is our Savior. Our Redeemer lives. The Redeemer of mankind is here. Being fashioned as a man. So Jesus is Christ. We said the Christ, the Messiah. Right? The anointed one. We heard these things this morning. Who is, who is what's the Messiah? I mean, he, uh, the Christ, he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy. Jesus is the Redeemer of mankind. Jesus the Christ. That means He is, we're going to see these things during this time we're teaching, right? He is Emmanuel. Again, that means God with us. God saw it fit to bring forth an incarnation of Christ in a form of a man to dwell with us. Again, that's why it goes back to how a child is born. But the Son was given to us. God dwells with us. And the sole purpose was to redeem mankind. See, why is it so important to understand this about Jesus? Because because we don't want to get caught up in people's other things they say about Jesus. Like, well, you know, like Jesus say, well, he took a wife. He married somebody. No, he didn't come to get married. You know, that was not his purpose. He didn't come to have any children, as we think of it. He came to redeem mankind. Matter of fact, he came to die. To suffer. For behalf of what? Uh, who? Us. So Jesus, the Christ, is both God and man. He identifies with deity and humanity. There is no one else that has this distinction. And why is it so important? Stop saying that you are little gods. Stop saying you got power in your, in your, in your, your words. There's no power in your, your words. Have a, you, there's no deity in you. He alone is deity. He is both God and man. He identifies with deity and he identifies with humanity. If that is his position alone, no one else. You know, I was listening to this morning's message again. Mr. was talking about, he was talking about the angel speaking to Zacharias and said some things to him about how his, his mouth is, he won't be able to speak, he'll be dumb. You know, the thing that gets me about God, when God says it, it's over. You, you don't get what I mean. You notice that in that past, <clears throat> that past scripture this morning? The angel didn't touch Zacharias. You know, we get on my, I'm going to shut you, I'm going to put, the angel is, God's word is so powerful. 
the word being spoken happened. And the angels that spoke the word of God being sent, and then all of a sudden, Zacharias couldn't talk. Never touched him. He said the word, and then the power appeared. That's, you don't have that power. Your words don't have, you, you're not going to make something manifest because you said it. God alone, Christ alone, he, Jesus alone, He is God. And that's why this, this time, again, like we say saying Christmas, you know, we always celebrate the, our Redeemer who has come, but never get these things twisted who He is. Jesus is God. He's God. You know, that to me, and I, and I hear, the, especially this time of year, right, you hear the, the arguments around why they don't, they believe in, again, I heard these, I keep going back to this message, I heard these things this morning, right, how, how he's a prophet. But he's God. And there's people that believe, yeah, he was a prophet, but they don't believe he's God. That's what separates what we believe versus what other religions believe. We believe Jesus is God. Why? According to the scriptures. He is the incarnation of Christ. We believe that. And, and looking at the birth of Jesus Christ will show you God. That's why we're spending time with this so you can really see that, oh, this man is God. And he is the only one that fills that role. There's no other man that was born like him to be both God and man. No other man. So again, he has his distinction alone. He is our redeemer. And our redeemer lives. Our redeemer is mighty. Now when we say redeem, that means just to buy back, to purchase. So, so why, did, why did man have to be redeemed? Because man sinned. Look at this in Romans chapter 5. So I thought we were talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is what you should be thinking about when the, when the holiday season comes around. Again, you should think about this all the time. But this is the thing you should be concerned about. Reminded of. See, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer came. The Redeemer of mankind is here. His birth announces that. And every time I'm, I'm doing a holiday season, we say during our Christmas time, I should be celebrating that. That I have been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, we should say it all the time, but we should be shouting to the hilltop during the Christmas time. That's the time that we have set aside to celebrate his birth. So why did man need to be redeemed? Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let me get there. Romans 5 and 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All men have sinned. Look at this. It's still in Romans. Go to Romans chapter 3. Why do we need a redeemer? Because man has sinned. All men have sinned. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned. You see the three letter words. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone that is born, has sinned. So now, and see, that's why I love these things. So now they go, well, well, Jesus was born too. 
Did he sin? Now that's why you understand how he was born. How did he get around this? See, God is so good. God had the plan already in. But, but man needed to be redeemed. And God sent the Redeemer. The incarnation of Christ through Jesus. So let's look at man's original sin. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. I want you to see this. Genesis chapter 2. Again, some of these same verses that we covered this morning. We're going to go through Genesis chapter 2. Because even though we understand man committed their sin, it was not a surprise to God. God already had a plan in place to redeem mankind. Can you imagine, you know, the, the enemy? Can you imagine Satan at the time? He, he thought he had God. God, like, you just playing into my plan, man. You ain't doing nothing. I mean, God is amazing. You know, everything's been orchestrated by God. And here is Satan trying to figure out, is this the one? He don't even have no idea. who. He does not know at these times. He was just trying to figure it out. Because God, like, keep going. And especially when the seed starts, you know, when the descendants start coming, like, which lean? He had, it was amazing. You had to find which one it is. Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of, the Eden, in, uh, of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So here's God gave man a very specific commandment. Right? And that man was Adam. Don't eat of this tree. But of course, we know what Adam did. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Look at this in verse 6. Genesis 3 and 6. It says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. There was now Adam's transgression. Adam just deliberately disobeyed God. And now we, we see back in Romans 5 and 12, now sin passed upon all men, for now all have sin. That sin nature is now upon all of us. But then God, again, in the same chapter, verse 3, now proclaims a promise. Genesis 3, and now look at this in verse 15. And he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So that passage is talking about how the Lord God is going to destroy the trail of the serpent. He's going to bruise his head with her seed, the seed of the woman. He's making here, and it talks about that this is the first messianic prophecy he's given about the Christ, the one that's going to come and redeem man. 
And he's going to come from the seed of the woman. And here's the thing that's so amazing about that promise that God just made about bruising the head of Satan, right? Women don't have seed. Men have seed. When we talk about the begotten, a man's going to begot a child. That becomes from the seed of the man. But he said the seed of a woman. He's already telling us, you ain't going to be able to figure this out. It's, a, it's going to be by my miraculous power. How is a woman going to have seed when she don't have seed? That right there is impossible unless it's performed by God. So what, is, what do I mean by women don't have seed? That means that this woman, it is going to bear a child without the aid of a man. That is impossible. See, you know, you can play around and talk about, well, I got pregnant, but I don't know how. No, baby, you know how you got pregnant. You sowed some seed and you got the fruit from that. You know how you got pregnant. Stop playing. But this particular birth wasn't with the aid of a man. How are you going to bring forth a child without the aid of a man? That's why it's called her seed. He, he's making a prophecy that only God can fulfill. And that offspring itself is going to be God incarnated. He's already talking about the incarnation. Because this is impossible. So we already know that this offspring of this child has to be from God. Because it's impossible. See, and, and, and you know, that's why, just right here, you read these things. That's how come some people have a problem with Christianity. They just can't believe that. They stop right there. They're like, well, y'all believe that? Huh? They stop. They, they, from, they can't move from this point on. But this is the whole point about him being God. That's why we know Jesus is God. You know, you, you, can, you can see a lot of things in the, in the scripture, right? You can find a lot of things that happen. You know, like even the resurrection of the Lord God. There's people that have been raised from the dead. You know that. There's other people that have been raised from the dead. But there is not no other man that was born without the aid of, of, a, of a, born from a woman without the aid of another man. There is none other. You search your scripture, seeking you find it. He alone is in this category. Everybody else, and we talked about this this morning, even Zacharias and, and, and John the Baptist, you know, Zacharias and Elizabeth had to go get busy. It wouldn't be without the aid of a man. I, I guess being old age, they probably wish it would. Can you just do something here? Because we're old now. We let that child just boom up here. We got to actually, no, you got to sow some seed. You got to make some physical contact between you and your wife. No, but this child came forth. See, again, a child is born unto us. But the son was given. From a seed of a woman. Don't have seed. Now look at this in Matthew chapter 1. See, we're trying to make sure you understand why you celebrate. Why you open all your gifts, putting up all your lights, having all your, your, you know, holiday music. Think about the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who redeemed us. And why God sent his son. Because I'm a sinner. You got to put that on one of your Christmas cards. Thank God for redeeming me because I was a sinner. The sinner got saved. Send that on your Christmas cards. Because that's what it's about. Matthew chapter 1, look at this in verse 
verse number one. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Again, you see it, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to start beginning. The son of David and the son of Abraham. Now we start with Abraham. Abraham beget Isaac. Again, notice it, fathers, males. Abraham, male man, beget his son Isaac. Isaac male beget Jacob. Jacob beget Judas. Right? And his brother. And Judas beget Pharaohs and Zerah of Tamar. And Pharaohs beget Ezram and Ezram beget Aram. I mean, he's going to go on and on and on. Right? And this is, this is, I'm going to say there's a whole other message in, in this right here about the begets. Now, Ju- Judas here is talking about Judah. Right? But, but it's amazing that these things that he's saying. But, but you know, all these things still talking about the, the male, how to beget the son. Now we jump down to verse 16. Matthew 1 and 16, it says, And Jacob beget who? Joseph. Still in that same order. You got a male begetting their son, another male. And Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. It never said Joseph beget Jesus. Because Jesus is the fulfilling of the seed of the woman. The seed didn't come from Jacob. I'm sorry, the seed didn't come from Joseph. Excuse me. The seed did not come from Joseph. But Joseph was Mary's husband. But Joseph didn't beget Jesus. Who was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, how do you deny these passages of Scripture? I don't know. I don't know how you can say that he was not the Christ. How you say he was not... He says it right here. If you, if you start, if you believe in Abraham, how you can't believe in Jesus? People believe in Abraham, but they don't believe in Jesus. I, I'm, I don't get it. You start, or you believe in David, but you don't believe in Jesus. Where, where is that? That's a conflict you have. There's a double standard going on there. If I say I believe in Abraham, then I gotta believe in Jesus. Cause it's, he's in the, he's in his lineage. You see where he came. Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. Who is called Christ. The seed of the woman appeared. Their lineage is here. He was born. So let's look at this miracle. Birth. That redeemed mankind. Jump down to verse 18. Same chapter. Matthew 1 and 18. We're going to look at this. We're going to spend some time here. Alright. Matthew 1 and 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost now those that one passage script there's so much in here it says let me read it again now the birth of Jesus Christ right was on this wise. When his mother, Mary, so it says first, Mary was his mother. The mother of who? The mother of Jesus. 
Was Mary the mother of Christ? No, Christ already existed. See, here's what people say. Well, Mary is the mother of God. Mary is not the mother of God. <laughs> that would make Mary above God. See, again, we're going to a whole other religion. <laughs> Mary had a child named Jesus, who is God. But Mary is not the mother of God. And it sounds like I just contradicted myself. Catch that. Mary is not the mother of God. She had a child named Jesus. Who is God? But Mary is not the mother of God. Mary is not deity. If she is, then why would we need Jesus? She could have redeemed us. Mary, if she was the mother of God, why was she in line to receive her salvation? She was one in the upper room to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If she's a mother, why she got to get filled with the Holy Ghost if she's, if she's the mother of God? Come on now. See, this, that's why this birth is so, you better understand this, what's happening here. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with a child. So here we have this woman, Mary, espoused. We'll talk about this word espoused in a minute. Espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Ghost. So now this woman was pregnant with a child of the Holy Ghost. Before she had sexual relations with her husband. Did y'all catch that? Mary was. She was pregnant with a child of the Holy Ghost. There is no other individual that is a child of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ alone is the, He alone is the child of, that's the incarnation. Of Christ. The child of the Holy Ghost. Again, we say that He is deity, He is God, He is man. There's the, there's the God portion of Him. The child of the Holy Ghost. Where did we get God at with, with Jesus? He's a child of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm a child of God. Not in this fashion. You had to get born again. <laughs> and receive this man as your Lord and Savior to be in the household of God. But you ain't a child of God in this fashion. Your mother was not found with you from a, and you was in the, based on being a child of the Holy Ghost. She was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. No. You got a dad. You may not know who he is. I ain't trying to talk about you. But you got a father. He's out there. Oh, he was out there. He's there. Mary alone is in this role. Jesus alone is in this place. So it says Mary was espoused to Joseph. Now we want to, I want to look at this espoused because for our customs, our time, we don't we don't have a clue what this means. <laughs> right? We're gonna look at this espoused to Joseph. And because this passage really is saying that Mary was a virgin. How can a virgin have a child and still be a virgin? God. And I'm going to tell you, you can't, well, how do you explain that? You can't. 
She's a child of the Holy Ghost. How? God. Here's where you start to be applying your faith. You better believe it. See, that's why I just tell you, that's what I'm saying. That's what separates what I believe versus other religions. I believe this. I believe that God can give Mary, gave Mary a child, the incarnation of Christ, and his name was Jesus. Without the aid of a man. And that man was her husband. I believe that. That's why I celebrate all the time about my Savior being born. <clears throat> so espouse. Espouse is a Jewish custom of a marriage ceremony where the woman is already bound to her husband, although they are not officially consummated their union. So this custom here of espouse, <clears throat> that says that Mary was already bound to a husband who was Joseph. But they had not consummated. They had not had sexual relations yet. So in the Jewish custom, let me just go through it. It usually requires an interval of 12 months before the bride could actually take residence in her husband's home and consummate their union. 12 months. It was during this interval, this 12-month period, that Mary was found with child. So here's another thing I hear people say. Well, we see Mary was, was a single woman. Mary was not a single woman. Mary was not unmarried. Mary was, was married. But in the Jewish custom, they hadn't consummated their marriage yet from the physical sense. But she was bound to this man. That's what I mean by she was espoused to him. So the first step in this Jewish marriage was called betrothal. betrothal. And the betrothal process involves the establishment of a marriage covenant. That means a covenant to be established as a result of the prospective groom taking the initiative. That means Joseph <clears throat> took the initiative to marry this young lady named Mary. And this prospective groom would travel from his father's house to the home of the prospective bride. And there he would negotiate with the father of the young woman to determine the price that he must pay to purchase his bride. See, this is Jewish custom. I know you're saying, you, you know, we're an American custom. We have a whole different kind of custom. But this is what went on here. So now we see Joseph negotiated with Mary's father about her being his bride. And purchased, paid. You don't pay me money. He gave things. And once the groom paid the purchase price, the marriage covenant was thereby established. And the young man and woman were regarded to be now, at that point, husband and wife. So once you negotiated with the, with the bride's father and y'all agreed on the price and then you paid the price, now, now that woman is regarded to be your wife and you are her husband. From that moment, the bride was declared to be consecrated. Get this. She was declared to be consecrated or sanctified, set apart exclusively for him. And as a symbol of this covenant relationship, 
that has been established. The, the groom and the bride will drink from a cup, sounds like communion, over which the betrothal benediction had been pronounced. I mean, this is a Jewish it was ceremonies that went on here. So now he's paid the price. Now she's considered his wife. He, she, uh, he's considered her husband. And so then after the marriage covenant has been established, the groom would leave the home of the bride and return to his father's house. There he would remain separate from his bride, for, again, for a period of 12 months. So what is he doing during this, this 12 months? During this period of separation, he afforded the bride time. You notice he afforded the bride time to gather her clothes, her household linen, and other belongings that she needed to be a bride, to prepare for married life. There's a 12 month period they're going to get you to prepare to be a wife. But you're already my wife. So he gave her time. And the groom would occupy himself during this time, preparing his living accommodations in his father's house in which he would uh, bring his bride. In other words, he's getting his house in order. But she is still considered his wife. See, that's why the negotiation took place. See, hey, a father's not giving away his bride to anybody. And at the end of the period of separation, the groom would come to take his bride to live with him. And the taking of the bride usually took place at night. And the groom, the best man, and other male escorts would leave the groom's father's house and have a torch-like procession to the home of the bride at night. And although the bride was expecting the groom to come to her, she didn't know exact time that he was coming. I'm, I, See, that's what I'm saying. This is so much stuff going on here. I, mean, I understand. We just so Americanized, you know, we just want to get it on. When we talk about a wedding, we think about the honeymoon. No, there's 12 months. She's like, well, I'm married to this woman. 12 months. Prepare yourself. Bring that woman into your house. You ain't prepared for nothing. Ain't got nothing established. So again, although the bride was expecting her groom to come to her, she did not know the exact time of his coming. As a result, the groom's arrival would proceed by a shout. And the shout would forewarn the bride to be prepared for the coming of the groom. I mean, that's uh, so powerful. I mean, I just... And after the groom received the bride together with her female attendants, the enlarged wedding party would return from the bride's home to the groom's father's house. Now, upon, uh, upon the arrival of, of the wedding party, they will find the wedding guests and assemble themselves all together. So now they travel back to the, to the groom's father's house, and here, they, here it is, right between now he has his wife. And shortly after the arrival, the bride and groom will be escorted by the other members of the wedding party to the bridal chamber. Hallelujah. Right. So prior to entering into this chamber, the bride remained veiled so that no one could see her face. So now while the groomsmen and the bridesmaid would wait outside, the bride and groom would enter into the bridal chamber alone. There in the privacy of that place, they would enter into physical union for the first time, thereby consummating the marriage that had already been coveted. 
Twelve months. Then after the marriage was consummated, the groom would announce the consummation to the other members of the wedding party waiting outside the chamber and these people would pass on the news of the marital union to the wedding guests and receiving the good news, the wedding guests would feast and make merry for seven days. See, now the party's on. We done consummated marriage. Even though you was, the covenant has already been established. You just consummating what's already been established. Then after the conclusion of these seven days, the groom would bring his bride out of the bridal chamber. And now her veil would be removed. And he would, uh, everyone could see that this was his bride. So now you get, hopefully you got a clear picture. This is what happened when he found out that she was with child. He said, I love how God did this. Get this. God, the angel waited to go talk to him after he had already committed to this woman. You know, he already paid the price. He's already cut, he'd already made an arrangement with, with her father. And he went off and prepared his household. And now here he finds out, she with child. Now let's go back to read this in verse 19. Read 18 and 19. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together. Now you understand before they came together. They was in that interval period. They had already made a marriage covenant together, but they hadn't consummated the marriage. She was found with a child of the Holy Ghost. So now, in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. You, now you understand why he's put, he, he was thinking about, well, she was a child, but I'm going to put her away privately. Because... He was, this was his wife. They had already put forth the marriage covenant. They just hadn't consummated the marriage. So he was thinking about putting her away. And him being, talking about him being just because he wanted, he, he was mindful about her. I, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I got much appreciation for Joseph in this passage. I really have. This man cared for his wife. He had a care, that's why he was called a just man. Because he had a care and treatment for his wife. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to have public shame. He was minded about her. See, that, that ministers, well, I'm telling you, brothers, you need to be mindful about your wife. You need to have a care for your wife. You shouldn't be out to put her in public shame. I'm sorry, I just digress, right? We're talking about the birth of Christ, right? But the birth of Jesus the Christ. I mean, you, you know, but brothers, you need to have a care for your wife. If your wife does something that she shouldn't have done, don't make a public example out of her. Be mindful of her. Why? Because that's your wife. That's who you're in covenant with. That's who you have consummated your marriage with. Don't put all her business down the street. What she did or not doing. Be mindful of it. Be just. So again, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But, verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
So now verse 20, now the angel now appears to Joseph in a dream. Because the angel, he know, hey, we understand what, he's, what Joseph's thinking about putting her away. Don't put her away. Not even private. Because truly she is pregnant, but what she's, what she's pregnant with is conceived of the Holy Ghost. But again, like I said, timing is everything. God sent, you know, here's the thing I think about all the time. You know, God knows what he's doing. If God's going to incarnate Christ, you know, his beloved son into this earth, he's going to make sure he comes into a, a, a established home. Where there's a male and a female, there's a husband and a wife. He, there was already a covenant relationship. They just hadn't consummated it. But they were in covenant together. God's like, yeah, that's the family. That's who we're gonna, you're going to be raised up in as a child. God knows what he's doing. They were the perfect couple for the incarnation of Christ. But timing was everything. He waited till this man had already committed. Because during that, I didn't mention during that betrothal process, that was part of it as well. If you found some things that were wrong with that woman, that was the time to, hey, I want my money back. You know, I, hey, you, you sold me a bill of goods, right? What that statement? Hey, I, this, you know, what I thought was authentic ain't authentic. You know, she ain't no virgin. See, that's a part of the time you let you, you find out things. That's why it's good to wait. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. You find out things when you wait. First, you rush into stuff, and you find out later you should have waited. <clears throat> but the angel again, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take unto Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Yahshua, the Savior. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, I mean, well, I mean, this amazes me. This is all this what the angel of the Lord told Joseph. Not this he just got a child of the, you know this this child born of the Holy Ghost or conceived from the Holy Ghost. But here's the purpose: it's going to be a son, and here's going to be his name, Jesus. Again, Yahshua, right? Again, Jehovah saves. He is going to be the Savior, and. This child's purpose is to save his people from their sins. That means Joseph from day one knows exactly this child's purpose. He said he shall save his people from their sins. That's what I mean. The birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We celebrate all the time by him saving us from our sins. I mean, we said that's why we had to be redeemed. Because we all have sinned. I'm going to tell you, if you're spending Christmas time or whatever time and not remembering the, uh, your Redeemer who has saved you from your sins, something you have lost touch of your salvation. Not saying you ain't saved, but you've forgotten something. You forgot that you were a sinner. You were lost, dead in your trespasses and sin. He is worthy. He is God. In verse 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken of the Lord by the, by the prophet saying. So again, he said, all this, all, we just, all this was done was for fulfilling of the prophecy. 
and when we say prophecy, let me just break this down a little bit. So the prophecy, when it's talking about fulfilling, is a sign given by the Lord to come to pass. So all this was done to fulfill what was already said by God to come to pass. And it was a prophecy is a sign. What is a sign? A sign is a distinguishing mark or proof. And what was that sign? That verse 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That was a sign. That was a prophecy. You get these, Mary said all this was done. So that means the arrangement of Mary, the arrangement of Mary being exposed to Joseph during that time of them being in marriage covenant, even though they hadn't consummated the marriage. All that was arranged by God. So it can be feel that a virgin would be with a child. Because there's no way a virgin can be with a child without the aid of a man. So now again, you remember we said in Genesis chapter 3 and 15 how, how the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of Satan. This speaks to his unique birth. The specific individual, the only one can stand here that can be born without the aid of a man. A virgin cannot have a child without the aid of a man. That's God. That alone tells you that this child is God. Because it is impossible. So we make sure I recap. So, that means, again, that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus' very name, his very nature is the Savior. See, when we say, oh, Jesus, you understand what you just said? That's my Savior. His very name and nature means Savior. Now, why are you calling upon the Savior when you don't want to be saved? See, that's why you don't use his name in vain. Don't just say Jesus for some. When I call on the name of Jesus, because I want to be saved. You remember the scripture said, Whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why we preach this gospel message. We talk, you know, you, you have to preach Jesus in order for someone to get saved. Because his very nature's name means salvation. That the Lord saves. How are you going to minister the gospel and don't mention Jesus? That's not saving nobody. So Jesus is the Savior. He should save his people from their sins. And he was sent by the Father to be the Savior of the world. Now we're going to come back to Matthew chapter 1. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I hope you're getting even more understanding about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this just goes to everything that was already, again, already been taught by Brother Eberhard, and Minister Moore, and, and continuing on, right? These things are so important to understand. Even outside of the Christmas season, understand who our Savior is. 1 John chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 14. It says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son... To be the Savior of the world. We understand that. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. For whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him. And he in God. I mean, this is 
He is the Savior. And the Father sent Him to save the world. So how am I going to receive salvation? It's through Him. Through Him is Jesus. He's the Savior. His very name means Savior. And the Father sent Him to save us. Again, a child was born, but the Son was given so that you can be saved. So that we all can be saved. That's why I'm celebrating Christmas. That's why I'm celebrating it all the time for my my Redeemer lives. Look at this in Luke chapter 2. Luke 2. Luke 2. Look at this in verse 11. Luke 2 and 11. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Again, for unto you born this day in the city of David is who? The Savior. He He alone is the Savior. The incarnation of Christ came to save us, to redeem mankind. Who is Christ the Lord. See, Jesus is our Savior. See, I'm saying, people say he's a prophet. No, he's my savior. Yeah, I understand his prophet. I understand during the time, but he's my savior. I received him as my savior, as my Lord and my savior. Now to go back to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter one. So again, we see that Mary was pregnant with child of the Holy Ghost and the angel of the Lord came to talk to her husband Joseph so he wouldn't put her away. And he told her husband these things. So after the angel told Joseph these things, that all this was done that it might be fulfilled, spoken in verse 22, all this was done that might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, here we go. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And he took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he... Called his name Jesus. I'm telling you, don't sleep on Joseph. That's why he was a just man. He said he did what the angel of the Lord told him to do in a dream. He took this woman, Mary, as his wife, even though she was with a child. See, I'm saying Joseph didn't he didn't care what people think about him. He was concerned about her. But he once he heard from the God, he didn't care what nobody thought. He took that one. He, think about the ridicule he must have had. Remember, we just talked about the whole betrothal process, right? So now, you know, you're coming back, you know, that time of the night, you know, I don't I don't know if they changed. I have no idea what they changed or not, right? But you imagine after 12 months, she she's showing. And then y'all going, marching into where she is and what? So Joseph, wait a minute, did you come another night? You already hooked up with her? Why? 
You imagine all that. Now he's got to tell all his his escorts, his his best man, you know, those at the wedding party, what you know, hey, she's still my wife. I'm not putting her away. But Joseph, she's pregnant. We all can see that she's my wife. I love this man. I'm telling you, I, I love Joseph. I, I, I can I can appreciate this brother. Because when you hear from God, you you stand on what God has said. I'm not concerned about what other people may think, what other people may even say. I've heard from God. And he didn't even touch. You know, he had a right to touch her. You know what I mean, touch her, right? He had a right to sleep with his wife. It's, I love how the God said this, like, you know, how do you say these things, right? You know, you can sleep with a pregnant woman. Just say it like that, right? You, you can have sex with a pregnant woman. He did not touch her. He knew her not. He didn't play games with God. Well, you know, she's already pregnant. Hey, what's the... No. It's already done deal. No. I'm, I'm not going to know you. The child that's in that womb is of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to mess with it till you bring it forth. I'm not going to corrupt any of that womb. See, I mean, this is... And again... Minister Hill talked about Mary. We're going to deal with Mary too. Mary was talked about in Luke 1. This is dealing with the male factor. And Joseph responded, I am not, you know, I'm not going to sleep with my wife until after she brings forth this child. And we're going to call his name Jesus. This was a just man. We can learn a lot from Joseph. I'm telling you, we're gonna learn a lot. It does, it's, it's interesting. It doesn't say what he said because again, you look in Luke one. It, it talks about Mary, and we still talk about you know she had a whole praise. God, I'm not saying nothing wrong with that. It, it went to a whole dialogue about what Mary said. It doesn't give a dialogue what Joseph said, but what it says is what he did. See, I'm telling you, y'all, if, we all talk a good stick, but what you gonna do when God has given you the commandments for you to abide by? Are you gonna do it? Or are you just going to talk about it? Joseph acted on what God said to him to do. Pertaining to his wife. It didn't say he said a word. He didn't say, why well, I me, mean, man? All these women, you could, you messed with my wife. All these women, you could, you could, he didn't go anything. He didn't give any kind of, you know, confrontation back to the angel of the Lord. That's, that's recorded here. He just did it. Man, some people are just called to God's purpose. They're sold out to the purpose of God. And that's my heart. I want to be sold out to the purpose of God. Even when it makes no sense to me. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.